Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the great feast of the Holy Trinity. Now, one of the first things our parents taught us about faith and the practice of our faith is the sign of the cross. And we sign ourselves in the name of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ironically enough, the last thing a minister or deacon or priest will do at the graveside in order to finish a funeral is to bless the cremains or the casket in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, as Catholics, everything about our faith, everything about our church, our doctrine, our history, is marked and stamped with the seal of the Holy Trinity. Every time we celebrate Mass, it's a celebration of the Trinity. It's a celebration of God. Now, the Holy Trinity is the central tenet of our church. It is at the very heart of who we are and what our faith is all about. We believe in one God, but three persons of God. The three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are separate and distinct in of themselves. The Father is not the Son or the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son or the Father. And yet, all three are co-equal in power, grandeur, and majesty. And yet, we believe in one God, which means all three persons share one nature, a divine nature. And yet, when we think of the Holy Trinity, we think with great trepidation sometimes. It's not easy for us to understand the Holy Trinity. Why is that? Because we're finite creatures. There's only so much we can grasp or take in. God is just the opposite. God is infinite. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There's no way a person can say that they completely understand God. Well, they're just kidding themselves. Now, is this a bad thing? Should this discourage us? No, not at all. In fact, I would argue it's a very good thing. Why? Because the Trinity, yes, it's a mystery, but it's a mystery that draws us into God, God's love and knowledge, such that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit reveals themselves to us gradually. Little by little, God reveals himself to us in the sacraments, in our prayer life, in scripture and doctrine and dogma. Now, I would liken it to Jesus Christ teaching with parables. Now, we all know the parables are captivating stories. Initially, they reach out and grab and hold our attention. They're filled with interesting twists and turns that are unexpected and an unpredictable ending. But ultimately, the parables reveals a truth about God and our faith. 
The key to the parables is that we have to keep thinking about them. And the more and more we go over them and over them, more little nuances begin to stand out, things that we never heard or saw before. And the more we come to know the truths about God and our faith. Well, I think the Holy Trinity does the same thing for us. Gradually, over time, little by little, the Trinity reveals itself to us. And see, that's why it's so important for us to pray every day, to come to Mass every week, to engage what we call lifelong faith formation, to continue to grow in the knowledge of our faith. See, when that happens, God reveals himself to us, and we come to know and love our Lord. I think St. Augustine puts it best. He says it's faith-seeking understanding. First, we start off with faith. That's the foundation. And because we have faith, we seek to grow in a greater knowledge of it. And when we do that, our faith grows stronger and stronger. And in turn, we're compelled to keep growing in the knowledge of our faith. They keep building upon each other. Now, a good analogy to help us understand how the Holy Trinity reveals itself to us, it's kind of like a parent teaching a young child how to walk. The parent stands the child up, maybe in the center of a room, takes a few steps back, and begins to start gesturing towards the child to come forward. They begin to wave and clap their hands, but all the while they're making and keeping eye contact with the child, reassuring the child that they're safe and everything is okay and that they can do this, they can walk. And then the child takes one step and then takes another and then another, and the child now learns how to walk. I think that's exactly what God does for us. This is why God gives us the sacraments and scripture and doctrine. This is why God teaches us to pray. All these are ways in which God is encouraging us to keep walking towards him. Now it begs the question, where is the Holy Trinity most clearly revealed? I would argue in sacred scripture. Yes, we can see the Holy Trinity in the New Testament. Jesus' conception, his baptism, as well as his transfiguration. But we can also see the Holy Trinity in the Old Testament. Go back to the very beginning of creation. At the story of creation, we see the Father and the Son together. And the Holy Spirit, it says, is brooding over the waters as the universe begins to be created. Now stay with the book of Genesis. Fast forward to chapter 18. We see this very interesting story with Abraham and Sarah. Three men suddenly appear out of the blue, and Abraham and Sarah invite them in, and then engage in this frenzied pace of hospitality. They have the three men sit in a shaded and cool area, they offer them something to drink, and then they make them a meal. After the meal, And three men are about to get up and leave. And one of them looks at Abraham and he says, I will come back a year from now and your wife will be pregnant. Well, Sarah, upon hearing this, lets out this huge roar of laughter because they're both in their 90s. And yet it happens. Sarah becomes pregnant with Isaac a year later. Now, this story, scripture scholars would argue, prefigures our doctrine on the Holy Trinity. 
Now, one way to help us grow in a greater love and knowledge of the Holy Trinity is looking at the different roles each person plays in salvation history. As I mentioned before, each person of the Trinity is separate and distinct of each other, and that they share one common nature. They are all divine. They are all God. Now, each person has a separate role in which they play in salvation history. But their mission is still singular. It's one. The mission is the salvation of the world. So, take the first person of the Holy Trinity. It's the Father. The Father's role in salvation history is the sender. The Father sends people into this world. In the Gospel for today, we hear that the Father sent his only Son into this world so that those who would believe in him might be saved. Well, after Jesus accomplishes his mission, he ascends back into heaven. Next, the Father sends the Holy Spirit into the world. And that's what we celebrated last week in the Feast of Pentecost. But before all that, the Father sends prophet after prophet after prophet to reconcile the Israelite people after they broke covenant after covenant after covenant with the Father. So, the Father is the sender. Now, the second person of the Holy Trinity is Jesus Christ himself. His role in salvation history is the one who is sent, as it's described in the gospel for today. Jesus brought salvation to the world through his passion, death, and resurrection. And yet, it didn't stop there. Jesus was sent to recruit the apostles to establish the church. Jesus Christ was sent to heal sinners and reconcile them back to the Father. So, his role is the one who is sent. Now, the third person of the Holy Trinity is the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is the sending. The Holy Spirit is God's divine operative force in this world. Now, that term sending, in proper English grammar, we refer to that as a gerund, which by definition is a non-finite verb that's always acting, always moving, never stops, never takes a break. Well, the Holy Spirit is just that. It's that divine operative force that has been working for 2,000 years in our church and will continue to work until the end of time. And so each person has a separate and distinct role to play in salvation history, just like each person is separate and distinct from each other. But the mission is still the same, salvation of the world. One last thing to think about. We also participate in the Holy Trinity. Turn to St. Augustine. Augustine says, At the time of our baptism, we are branded with the mark of the Holy Trinity. Now, we know that ranchers brand their animals to make sure that they know their own stock from other animals. Now, that brand is personal. It's a personal mark that identifies the owner and who they are. St. Augustine says the same thing holds true with the time of our baptism. At baptism, we were branded, our soul was branded with the mark of the Holy Trinity. Therefore, we were taken possession of by God the Father. We became the adopted sons and daughters of the Father. And so now we share in the life and that love 
that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Better yet, through each subsequent sacrament, the Holy Trinity, that community of love that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, draws us in more and more. In confession, the Father is present to forgive our sins. In the Eucharist, Jesus Christ is present to feed us. In confirmation, the Holy Spirit is present for us to be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. In marriage, Christ is present to bless the marriage because the marriage best mirrors the relationship with Jesus and his church. In the anointing of the sick, the Father is present to forgive our sins and the Holy Spirit is present to heal us. And so today, we celebrate the great feast of the Holy Trinity. But we shouldn't just celebrate it once a year. We should celebrate it each and every day of our life. Recognize that everything that God has done for us from the beginning of time and everything that God will do for us until the end of time. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.